Volume three, chapter seventeen of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seventeen. Great contentment. Had not Nora Willoughby been an interesting and amiable creature, her introduction at this moment to all the freedom of a sister's rights would certainly have been less agreeable than surprising to Agnes and perhaps notwithstanding the sweet expression of her lovely face the pretty tenderness of her manner and the lively interest which one so near in blood could not fail to awaken agnes as she entered her bedroom on that eventful night would rather have entered it alone her heart seemed too full to permit her conversing freely with any one and it was by an effort not made altogether without pain that she turned her thoughts from hubert and all that vast world of happiness which appeared opening before them to welcome her fair sister to her bower and to begin such a conversation with her as sisters so placed might be expected to hold but she was soon rewarded for the exertion for it was quite impossible to pass an hour of intimate intercourse with nora without loving her for she was made up of frankness warm affection light-heartedness and sweet temper as soon as peggy had performed all the services required of her and that the door was fairly closed behind her nora threw her arms round the neck of agnes and pressed her in a long and fond embrace dear dear agnes she exclaimed i wish you could share the pleasure that i enjoy at this moment but it is impossible i came upon you so suddenly unexpectedly unintelligibly and must rather startle and astound than give you the delight that you give me for i have been preparing to love you for many weeks past and i have been longing till i was almost sick to get to you and after such eager and sanguine expectations as mine it is so delightful to find oneself not disappointed and is such the case with my sweet sister replied agnes caressingly indeed indeed it is frederick told me you were very beautiful but i did not expect to find you half so so elegant so finished so every way superior i shall quarrel with you nora if you say such very fine things to me perhaps i think you very pretty too dear but if i do i must not say so because they tell us that we are so much alike it would be like admiring myself well and you cannot help admiring yourself it is impossible but sister agnes what a blessing it was that you did not happen to fall in love with frederick what would have become of me if you had for do you know i loved almost as soon as i saw him it was all so odd it was at the italian opera that we first met and i could not help observing that the handsomest man i had ever seen was looking at me almost incessantly papa never saw a bit about it for when he is listening to music he never cares for anything however i do assure you i tried to behave properly though if i had done quite the contrary papa would never have found it out i never looked at him at all above three or four times and that was accidentally from happening to turn around my head but whether i thought about it or not there were his beautiful large eyes always sure to be fixed upon me and when the opera was over he must have run out of his box the moment we left ours for i saw him as we got into the fiacre standing close beside it well i hardly know how it happened but from that time i never stirred out without meeting him he never spoke of course but that did not prevent our knowing one another just as well as if we had been the oldest acquaintance at last however he managed very cleverly to find out that papa was acquainted with m dupont who gives such beautiful concerts and receives all the english so hospitably and he asked as a great favour to be invited to meet us and so he was and then we were introduced and then everything went on beautifully for he knew you and the name of willoughby and the likeness and all that convinced him that we must be the same family 
so he and papa very soon made it all out and then he came to call upon us every day and very very soon afterwards i was engaged to be his wife as soon as possible after we all got back to england thank you dearest nora replied agnes who notwithstanding all her preoccupation had found no difficulty in listening very attentively to this narrative i cannot tell you all the pleasure your little history has given me there is nobody in the world i should like so well for a brother as frederick stephenson and there is nobody in the world i should like so well for a sister as frederick stephenson's wife that is delightful cried nora joyfully and we certainly are two of the luckiest girls in the world to have everything just as we would wish but agnes there is one thing i shall never understand how could you help falling in love with frederick when he fell in love with you because i happened just then replied agnes laughing to be falling in love with some one else well certainly that was the most fortunate thing in the world and frederick himself thinks so now he told me that he had a great mind to shoot himself when you refused him but that the very first moment he saw me he felt certain that i should suit him a great deal better than you would have done that i am sure is quite true nora replied agnes very earnestly for i too feel certain that i never could have suited anybody but colonel hubert and now my sweet sister let us go to sleep or we shall hardly be up early enough to meet the friends who i think will be wishing to see us again good night dearest good night darling agnes is not it pleasant to have a sister agnes it is so nice to be able to tell you everything i am sure i could never be able to do it to anybody else good night bless you sweet nora replied agnes and then each nestling upon her pillow and giving some few happy dreamy thoughts to the object they loved best they closed their fair young eyes and slept till morning the waking was to both of them perhaps somewhat like the continuance of a dream but peggy came in and threw the light of day upon them while each fair girl seemed to look at her own picture as she contemplated her pretty bedfellow and appeared to be exceedingly well pleased by the survey it was already late and agnes rapidly as she was learning to love her companion did not linger at her toilette but leaving nora with a hasty kiss to the care of peggy she hastened to the breakfast-table and made aunt betsy's heart glad by telling her at last that she expected colonel hubert would call about eleven o'clock and that if she did not think it wrong she should like to speak to him for a few minutes alone wrong my child exclaimed miss compton why i never in my life read a work painting the manners of the age in which i did not find interviews sometimes occurring three or four times in a day entirely tete-a-tete -tete between the parties then i may go into the back drawing-room presently may i aunt betsy and perhaps you would tell william yes yes my dear i'll tell him everything but eat some breakfast agnes or i am sure you will not be able to talk i suppose it is about your new sister and your father and all that that you want to speak to him there are many things aunt betsy but good heavens there is a knock will it not look very odd for you to send him in to me without waiting to give an answer the agile old lady intercepted william's approach to the door in time to give the order she wished and in two minutes colonel hubert was ushered into a room where the happy but blushing agnes was alone his first few steps towards her were made at the pace at which drawing-room floors are usually traversed but the last part of the distance was cleared by a movement considerably more rapid for she had risen in nervous agitation as he approached and for the first time that he had ever ventured a caress he threw his arms round her and pressed her to his heart 
agnes struggled not to disengage herself but wept without restraint upon his bosom you do then love me agnes at last at last our hearts have met and never can be severed more but still you must tell me very often that you have forgiven me dearest for is it not difficult to believe and does it not require frequent vouching what is it montague that you would have forgiven said agnes looking up at him smiling through her tears this was the first time that her lips had pronounced his christian name to any ears but her own and she blushed as she uttered it agnes my own agnes he exclaimed you have forgiven me or you would not call me montague how is it possible he continued looking fondly at her that a word so hackneyed and familiar from infancy as our own name can be made to thrill through the whole frame like a touch of electricity he drew her to the sofa from which she had risen and placing himself by her said now then agnes let us sit down soberly together and take an unvarnished retrospect of all that has passed since we first met yet why should i ask for this i hate to think of it for it is a fact agnes which his subsequent attachment to your sister must not make you doubt frederick and his seven thousand a year would have been at your disposal had not my dissuasions prevented it and had this been so who knows a shade of melancholy seemed once again settling on the noble countenance of colonel hubert agnes could not bear it and looking earnestly at him she said montague answer me sincerely this one question which is the strongest feeling in your mind at this moment the pleasure derived from believing that your influence on frederick was so great or the pain of doubting how the offer you speak of would have been received i have no pleasure in believing i have influence on any one save yourself he answered gravely i am glad of that montague she said because you somewhat overrated your influence with my brother-elect save for your foolish doubts infidel you never should have known it but frederick stephenson did propose to me hubert before he went abroad and you refused him agnes and i refused him hubert oh had i known this earlier what misery should i have been spared cried colonel hubert you know not you could not know all i have suffered agnes yet surely dearest when last we spoke together it was but yesterday in this very room you must then have guessed the cause of the dreadful restraint that kept us asunder there was no need of guessing then replied agnes smiling for you told me so distinctly then why not on the instant remove the load from my heart were you quite incapable of feeling how galling it must have been to me i'll tell you how that came to pass said agnes rising do you sit still there as i did yesterday and say let me then confess to you colonel hubert and then i will answer thus and raising her hand as if to stop his speech she added mimicking his impatient tone confess nothing miss willoughby to me and then you told me you had written to him and when i exclaimed with some degree of dismay at the idea of your having written to recall him you again interrupted me by saying that you would do it again and then my aunt came and so we parted then whose fault was it that i did not tell you my own agnes it was my own and alas i did not suffer for it alone how wretched you must have been made by my vehemence but you have forgiven me and all this must be forgotten for ever there is however one subject on which i would willingly ask a few more questions these i hope you will answer agnes yes she replied gaily you may hope for an answer to all your questions provided that just when i am about to speak you do not raise your arm thus in order to prevent me 
i will do my utmost to avoid it he replied and for the greater security will place the offending arm thus throwing it round her and now tell me agnes why it was that you would not accept frederick stephenson and will you be pleased to tell me colonel hubert why it was that you did not propose to-to anybody else but me because i loved you and you only because i loved you and you only repeated agnes is that an echo said colonel hubert no replied agnes it is only the answer to your question then exactly when i was occupied in finding reasons incontrovertible why the niece of mrs barnaby should never be loved by mortal man the young the lovely agnes willoughby was loving me even so said agnes somewhat mournfully false impressions have worked us so much woe that it would not be wise to let a little feminine punctilio prevent you seeing things as they are yet it is hardly fair hubert to make me tell you this oh say not so he replied mistake not the source of this questioning for agnes be secure that hubert for the wealth of all the world would not offend thee but can you wonder that after all i have suffered my heart and soul thirsts for an assurance of your love what might well suffice another agnes ought not to suffice me i am so much older i cannot help it montague nor could i help it when you took me out of the clutches of major allen upon the windmill hill nor when you were pleased to be so gracious as to approve my singing nor upon a great many other occasions when it would have been wise for me to remember it perhaps but if i love you and you love me i cannot see how your age or mine either need interfere to prevent it perhaps at last colonel hubert arrived at the same satisfactory conclusion for the conversation was a long one and before it was ended some little sketchings of his feelings during the early part of their acquaintance brought to agnes's mind the soothing belief that after the evening of the clifton ball her image had not forsaken his fancy more though it was by slow degrees that it had grown into what he called such terrible strength there as to conquer every other feeling agnes listened to him as he stated this with most humble-minded and unfeigned astonishment but also with most willing belief and then following his example he quoted shakespeare exclaiming and if an angel should have come to me and told me thus i would have believed no tongue but hubert's End of chapter 17